Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Diving Board Podcast. I am your host, Jill, and thank you so much for joining me on a very, very special pop culture deep dive here on the Diving Board Podcast. You are joining me on part two of the long-awaited Lindsay Lohan series. Last episode was a ride already. I mean, we were laying the groundwork, but it was seriously just a ride. It was crazy to recount the meteoric rise of Lindsay Lohan and just the journey that she was on to just absolute mega stardom. I mean, she was a massive, massive star back then. And it's crazy to see just how quickly she rose and how quickly things went awry. And just seeing it all in black and white, I was like, whoa, it's just, it's absolutely wild to relive it. So like I said, really excited to get into the next part of Lindsay's journey. This is basically part one of Lindsay's spiral. Uh, Lindsay's spiral era is definitely going to be at least two parts because there's so much to cover. I'm hoping to get Lindsay wrapped up by Saturday. <laughs> Because I know I'm going to be releasing a Lindsay episode every day this week, and there's just so much to cover. I'm just looking at all my notes. I'm like, there's so much to get through. But I'm trying to edit down because I know I could take multiple days of Lindsay. I just don't know if everyone else is willing to take multiple days of Lindsay. So let me know because I'm recording these as I go. So I definitely welcome any feedback you may have. But like I said, we laid the groundwork last episode. So we're getting into truly the thick of it in Lindsay Lohan's life in the mid to early 2000s. And we find Lindsay in 2005. It's 2005. I have officially started high school this year, and Lindsay has officially started her party girl era. I mean, it's it's beyond. And she's really the ultimate party girl at this point. She's clubbing every single night. She's getting into every club that no one else can get into. For fun, I was watching one of those. Remember like the fabulous life of Lindsay Lohan or Paris Hilton or whatever. They used to show those on VH1. I was watching one the other day for fun because I haven't seen those in maybe 15 years. And they were showing like clubs that she was getting into. And there was a club in Los Angeles that was a club within a club. So essentially, you had to get through two bouncers, two velvet ropes. And of course, Lindsay was getting into them. So keep in mind, she's only 18 at this point. And I don't really know what the public perception was. I was too young to understand what was going on. Because did people just think she was out dancing and not drinking? Or did people not really care? I don't know. But just keep in mind, she's she's definitely not 21 yet. And her mom keeps denying that she's out drinking. Like I said, I don't know what people are thinking she's doing in these clubs, but she's starting to hang out a lot with Nicole Richie. And I really think this is, I, I mentioned this in the Paris and Lindsay feud episode. This might be the time when Paris really starts disliking Lindsay because Lindsay's really bonding with Nicole and they're bonding on many different levels. And one of the major tabloid levels that they're bonding on is that they both are exceptionally thin. Like they they are extremely, extremely thin. And it's interesting because a year prior, they were kind of known as more curvier women. I mean, they were still very thin, but they were known 
more curvier than their counterparts. Like Nicole was curvier than Paris on The Simple Life and Lindsay was curvy in Mean Girls and now they're both extremely thin. You know that picture, that kind of infamous picture of Nicole and Lindsay where Lindsay's in the red dress and Nicole is in the purple dress and they just look essentially emaciated. Like they are beyond thin. They're very, very underweight. And this was just fodder on everyone's lips. This was fodder for all of the tabloids that Lindsay is insanely thin. People are asking, does she have an eating disorder? Is this due to a drug problem? I mean, that's what everyone is talking about. And back then it was very, very I guess, in style, if you're going to say that, to be extremely thin. But this was almost next level. And Lindsay was on every single magazine cover about it. And people were flat out asking her about it, which that is exceptionally rude. This was a wild, wild west back then. Reporters did not care. They just asked you whatever they wanted. But this was the fodder. And Lindsay said that her weight loss came from when she was sick. Remember from the last episode, we said that she was in the hospital and she had lost 15 pounds, which is a lot of weight for Lindsay, who was already a thin woman. And she said when she lost that weight, when she was sick, she actually liked how she looked. And she said that she started to work with a trainer and a nutritionist to keep the weight off, which, okay, girl, whatever you say. But um, she she doesn't look good. She doesn't look healthy. She's very, very pale as well. She's dyed her hair a platinum blonde color. So she's almost like an ice princess, just very, very pale, very light skin, and very, very thin. And this was also her Rachel Zoe era. Remember, Rachel Zoe was styling everybody. So they all kind of looked similar. And it's also said during this time that people close to her were trying to talk to her. She said that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler had actually pulled her aside after one of the times that she hosted on SNL. And they said, like, girl, what's going on? Like, are you okay? Are you healthy? I guess Amy Poehler just flat out said to her, like, you look crazy thin right now. Are are you healthy? Are you doing drugs? Like, what's up? And I really think they were coming from a good place. I mean, this wasn't tabloid fodder or just some random person on a red carpet being like, why are you so skinny? It's like, um, who are you again? What, what was your name? Like, these are people she actually worked with and who actually have her best interests at heart and care about her. So Lindsay said it was kind of a wake up call when they had asked her if she was okay. They just flat out said, like, we really hope you are taking care of yourself. But Lindsay, she, she really wasn't. She was partying hardcore. She was spending most of her time in LA. She was at clubs. Um, she's not being taken as seriously of an actress now as she was nominated for her first Razzie Award. You know, the Razzie Awards are kind of like that satire award where they award worst actress, worst actor, and she was nominated for worst actress for Just My Luck. So she's kind of her reputation is getting a little bit tarnished right now in the industry of maybe you're not as great of an actress as we thought. And she is kind of hit hard by this and she wants to rebound. She wants to rebound. She wants to continue her career. And she's like, this is just a minor hiccup. This is a minor setback and I'm ready to come back. And she is ready to take on some more serious roles. You know, back then, 
so far in her career, she's kind of been in Disney movies, which have been great for her career because they've been blockbusters. But she's like, I want to do something a little more serious and a little more mature and kind of put my career on a different route. I'm growing up. I want to get a more serious role. So she actually gets cast in the movie Prairie Home Companion, which is an indie film directed by Robert Altman. And this was actually a great movie. And like I said, it's an independent film. So a little more serious crowd, more kind of an art house crowd. And this movie also starred Meryl Streep and Lily Tomlin. So if you're going to be taken seriously in the movie industry, these are the people you want to work with. These are definitely the actresses you want to be around when you want to be taken seriously. I mean, these are some of the greatest actresses who have ever lived. So I think this was a really, really good step for Lindsay. And Lindsay does great on the set. The movie is good. I actually really quite like Prairie Home Companion. I think because it was an independent film and it wasn't shown in really major movie theaters, this it didn't get a huge amount of traction at the box office, but it really is a good film. I used to work at a movie theater in college where we solely showed independent kind of art house films, and I know this movie was shown there, and it definitely brings in a different crowd. Definitely not the typical Lindsay Lohan crowd, but she did great in this film. She acted really well. She held her own with Meryl Streep and Lily Tomlin. She sang in the film, and she sounded great great. I mean, I still think Lindsay, if she kept her head on her shoulders, she could have been in Broadway. I really think she could have played Roxy Hart in Chicago. I mean, she really, she knew how to sing. She knew how to act. I think she could have nailed it. And I'm a Broadway fiend. I know my Broadway. So I know this girl would have succeeded. Like I said, I, I still think she could play Roxy Hart. Um, but this movie because it was a different crowd and it was more of an intellectual kind of crowd in film than say Herbie Fully Loaded or Mean Girls. It didn't really get the tabloid fodder that other films got Lindsay. And she didn't get the praises, the public praises that she deserved. Um, Meryl Streep even said she loved working with her. She's really talented. She really has a gift. But unfortunately, this just didn't get the amount of press that other films usually do. And Lindsay didn't get the amount of praise that she deserved. But she really did great in this film. So definitely check it out um, if you're interested. And in late 2005, she also releases her second album called A Little More Personal, Raw. And on there is a song about her dad, and it's called Daughter to Father. And she said she wrote this when she was in a hotel room and she couldn't sleep. And she was just like screaming, crying on the bathroom floor and just started penning this song about her dad. I don't know if that's true. That sounds like a really dramatic story, but hey, maybe it is true. I'll give her the benefit of the doubt, but it's a really, really deep song. And she also directed the video, the corresponding video to the song and her sister Allie actually acted in it. And it's an intense, intense video and it's an intense song. Uh, it really talks about just having a really bad relationship with her dad and how she needed her dad growing up and how he was absent. And even when he was around, it was just such a fiery, tumultuous relationship that it really affected her growing up. And the song, it reached about 
57 on the charts and it wasn't a huge commercial success but I feel like it showed that Lindsay's growing up and it showed that she's tapping into a different side of her and I don't know I think this song was so important especially for kids who may have been struggling with their parents or may have been struggling with their dads and had issues with them and they're thinking wow like Lindsay Lohan's one of the most famous people in the world and she's dealing with issues with her parents so I feel like it showed that Lindsay is growing up and maturing and kind of tackling more difficult subjects and I think she made people feel less alone in their problems with their parents so I think it was a win so 2006 rolls around and we kick off with another cover of Vanity Fair and I remember reading this in the library because I loved the library growing up and I would just like sit I would read books I would read magazines I would burn CDs if you are too young to remember burning CDs congratulations but it was it was a time I miss it but I loved the library and I remember just chilling in the library for a couple of hours after school and reading this article. And I quite liked the article because it really did show a different side of Lindsay. And it was a stark contrast to the article that had come out two years earlier when she was on the cover of Vanity Fair, kind of making her mark. Like this is a much more mature article and it shows that a lot has gone down in the last two years. So the spread, the photos in the magazine that they use, they definitely were trying to make Lindsay Lohan into kind of a Marilyn Monroe character. She, like I said, has blonde hair now. She's put on a little bit more weight where in Vanity Fair, they just call her normal Finn now. So of course they, they have to call that out and they have to make a comment about her weight because it's 2006, but she looks healthier now. And she is on the beach in a sweater and it's very kind of an homage to that iconic photo shoot that Marilyn Monroe had back in the 60s of her on the beach and just a sweater and it's windblown and it's a beautiful photo shoot. Both women look incredible, but it's kind of showing that they want Lindsay to kind of be the modern day Marilyn Monroe. And that's a trope that we get throughout the next few years, especially in her spiral. And this is where Lindsay chronicles her stay in the hospital while filming Herbie Fully Loaded. She talks a lot more candidly about it. And she talks about her dad woe. She tells a lot of stories from her childhood. And she's really opening up. And like I said, becoming a more mature human being so it sounds, and that she's becoming more of an adult. She's no longer, I mean, she's still a teen, but you're not seeing her as the teen queen. It's like this woman, she's becoming a woman. And she also gets really candid about her body and what has gone on in the last year. And she admits to having an eating disorder. And she admits that she was actually bulimic, which was a huge admission. And you kind of show like, in the last year or so, she's really, really gone through a lot. And she's, when I say grown up a lot, I, I mean that she's going through some really, really serious issues with herself. She's experimenting in different things out in the world. And she's not, you know, the little girl from the parent trap or the teenage girl from Freaky Friday anymore. I mean, 
the innocence is kind of gone. She's she's really growing up. And it shows that she she was dealing with a lot in the last year. So she she really does kind of be very candid about um, her eating disorder and the issues that she's gone through as of late. And this is also, there's a lot of bombshells in this article. I mean, she was just going for it. And this is where she admits that she has, quote, dabbled with drugs, which uh, the Vanity Fair interviewer asks, well, do you mean cocaine? And she immediately backtracks. She immediately freaks out and she's like, no, 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 nothing like that. Nothing like that. I've had family members who struggle with that. I, I would never do that. So she kind of starts panicking and her publicist also kind of goes into a tailspin when she hears this news and she immediately tries to deny it. She's like, no, 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 that never happened. And Vanity Fair actually writes that she wants wonders aloud, how am I going to spin this? She actually says that out loud. She's like, uh, how are we going to spin this? How, how can we spin this? It's like, girl, if you were thinking that, keep it to yourself. So I don't know. Lindsay, I've never been impressed with the people who she's hired um, it, during this era because why would your publicist say that out loud? Why would you say, how are we going to spin this? Like, girl, you know these reporters are listening and you know they're recording this. So just not smart. And Lindsay and her publicist, they actually go on to say this was actually made up. The quote was totally made up. She never said that. But the damage was kind of done. I mean, magazines like Vanity Fair, it's not like the National Enquirer. They aren't making things up out of thin air. So, I mean, people kind of realize, yeah, you know, you're you're out there partying. You're out at all these clubs. You're spending all this money. We know that you're doing drugs. You're not going to be at these big clubs of rich people and rich celebrities, and you really expect us to believe that there's not cocaine around and there's you're not taking part in it. I mean, again, we were not born yesterday. And remember, Lindsay, she's 19 at this time. And in the article, she says she's kind of gotten partying out of her system at 19. At 19, she's gotten partying out of her system. So that's a little more than, quote, dabbling. If you're 19 and you already feel like you've gotten your fill of the nightlife. And Lindsay, she kind of becomes the official Eloise of Hollywood because she's officially moved in to the Chateau Marmont. She is living in the Chateau Marmont full time. And if you know anything about Los Angeles and Hollywood, and even if you don't, I will explain it to you. The Chateau Marmont is basically the epicenter of debauchery. It's essentially just an adult playground for celebrities and people who want to party with celebrities. I mean, it just it has an insane history. Like there's stories where John Bonham is riding his Harley through the hallways. I mean, this is the hotel that John Belushi died in from an overdose. I mean, it just insane things happen there. People are constantly partying. It's you know right off Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. And it's just, like I said, the epicenter of when you want to behave badly. And Lindsay is living there. Like the Chateau Marmont pool is her backyard. So it's essentially like living at the nightclub. So when you want to be on the straight and narrow and stay above the fray, that is not the place to be. That's like being being on a diet and living in a bakery. It's just the temptation is so, so strong. So 
the fact that she's living there, it's essentially a re recipe for disaster. And it's kind of showing that Lindsay, she wants to kind of live a very transient kind of temporary lifestyle. She doesn't want to put down any roots. She doesn't even want to sign a lease for an apartment. She's going to be paying monthly at the Chateau Marmont, and she just wants to be in on the action. I mean, she's stepping outside and she's in a party palace. So that kind of shows kind of where her head is at. And Lindsay, she's going out all the time. She's rumored to be dating a ton of men in Hollywood, including Joaquin Phoenix, which we were able to confirm this with Lindsay's um, list of men that she made of the people she has slept with. And I have mentioned this before on the Diving Board podcast. And I always feel weird because she said that this was part, this is Lindsay's story. And this is why I haven't posted this list on the Diving Board Instagram because I had a moral conflict. Because Lindsay has said, and she said on Watch What Happens Live a few years ago, that she wrote this list as a part of her recovery. And she said, I guess, I don't know if a counselor, I haven't heard about this. I admittedly, I don't know a ton about recovery programs. So correct me if I'm wrong, but she said that her counselor and her recovery program had instructed her to write down all of the names of the people she slept with. And then when she was moving, somebody took a picture of it and leaked it. So that was my moral conflict. I'm like, okay, if that's true. And she was just trying to go along with her recovery program and some creep took a picture of it and broke her trust and leaked it, then I don't want to perpetuate that. However, I've also heard different stories that she actually wrote this one night at the Chateau Marmont. She was at the table and she was telling a bunch of people and she was bragging about all of the famous men that she slept with and she started writing them down. And I kind of believe this story because if you look at this list, the list is written on Scattergories paper, like the paper they give you in the game Scattergories, like the list of 12. It's three lists of 12 and it's 36 men on it. And there are some very good men on there. She has great taste. I mean, Colin Farrell is not on my list. I wish he was or Ashton Kutcher or Heath Ledger or just some like really Joaquin Phoenix. So we know she was with him. He's on the list. There are definitely um, some cuties on that list. I don't think it's everybody because there are still a few people that she's been rumored with that just are not on that list that you kind of know she was with. And so I think it's just was enough to fill the Scattergories page. I don't exactly know the full story, but the list is very prevalent. And hey, I might end up posting it on the Instagram this week. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But there are conflicting stories about this list. But what I'm getting at is we're able to cross check it. And Joaquin Phoenix is on that list. So anyway, Lindsay is also developing more of a reputation of being a flake. Like she's really, really putting herself in some hot water. And this is kind of where it begins that she is just not easy to work with. You know, that classic hard to work with trope. You never want to be known as that. And she actually flakes out very, very last minute on an episode of Regis and Kelly. And they actually find out on air that she's not coming. Like they're filming it 
in the studio live and the producer's just like, oh yeah, Lindsay Lohan has food poisoning. She's not coming. And Regis is like, wait, what? Like she, she's not coming. And you could tell they're really annoyed. The audience is really disappointed because they wanted to see Lindsay. And later that day, that afternoon, because all of my 90s kids know that TRL was filmed in the afternoon. Later that afternoon, uh, Lindsay shows up to TRL. So I guess she was over her food poisoning that was happening that morning. And that's why she couldn't come to Regis and Kelly. I don't know. But at least Carson Daly got to see her that day. But it's a bummer because... She should be having a good year. I mean, she just released an album, which is doing moderately well. I mean, it's not a complete blockbuster smash, but it's doing fine. And she was just in a movie with Meryl Streep, which, I mean, she did great in. And that's always an honor. Meryl Streep sung her praises. She did well. But, I mean, she's a total tabloid darling she's fighting with Paris Hilton that feud is in full swing please revisit our uh, earlier episode shameless plug of the Paris and Lindsay fight but she's being called a fire crotch Brandon Davis is on her ass I mean it's just she's in the tabloids for this reason and she's partying constantly she is definitely getting a reputation of really really hardcore partying I mean Anna Wintour at the CFA Awards actually had to this is a rumor but I believe it Anna Wintour actually had to tell Carl Lagerfeld because Carl took Lindsay as his date to the CFA awards and said hey you need to get your guest under control because why does she keep running to the bathroom to powder her nose it was very um Lisa Rinna were people doing coke in your bathroom I mean it was it was very that So, I mean, I believe it. Even if it's not true, it's kind of a fun story. But she's just known as the party girl. And she's kind of known, getting known as a liability. Like, she's not the party girl where she's, like, fun and she's a socialite. She's definitely a liability. And she's hanging out a lot with Kate Moss, who she's saying Kate Moss is going to kind of show her the way and keep her on the straight and narrow. But you then know Kate Moss got kind of called out and exposed for doing cocaine, which that scandal looking back was the way the public handled that to be honest in my opinion was such a travesty and we could get in on that maybe on maybe a mini episode because it's not that long of a story but just as an adult thinking about the way the public treated Kate Moss for being in a studio and doing cocaine it was it was like a witch hunt it was insane but obviously Kate was dabbling in a little bit of nose candy. So she wasn't the best influence on Lindsay. So they were hanging out a lot. But, you know, Lindsay, she's she's still trying to star in some films. She actually signs on for a movie about Robert Kennedy. And it, it was called Bobby. And it kind of chronicled RFK and how RFK really could have been the next president and his assassination. And um, of course, I saw this because I was I'm, I've always been an American history historian. And I love everything about American history. And I was super into the Kennedy family in high school. I was really cool when I was 15, okay? I mean, instead of going to parties, I rented books on the Kennedy family and read them at the library. So yeah, I was just, <laughs> I was I was a really cool teenager. <laughs> 
<laughs> but of course I saw Bobby. Of course I saw this movie because I love the Kennedy family and I loved Lindsay Lohan, but she's like barely in this movie. And I was a little bit disappointed. This was another film I had rented from the library and watched in my parents' basement. Because like I said, I was... I was very cool and popular as a 15 year old. Um, <laughs> uh, but in 2006, she signs on to star in the very, very infamous Georgia Rule, which I have also seen this movie, um, unfortunately. But uh, Georgia Rule was with Felicity Huffman and Jane Fonda. And this should be huge. I mean, she's just getting off working with Meryl Streep and Lily Tomlin. And it's like, now I can work with more legends. Like, I can work with Jane Fonda. That's amazing. But this is kind of when you get the announcement of attention passengers. This is your pilot speaking. We are now beginning our initial descent of Lindsay Lohan's acting career. Because when Lindsay Lohan begins shooting Georgia Rule... She is partying nonstop. She's partying every single night. She's in full swing, living at the Chateau Marmont, just being in a complete party palace. She's at Jeremy Pippin's pool party. She's gallivanting all over town with Harry Morton, who we know was the restaurateur of the Pink Taco. She's out night after night after night. And finally, it catches up with her, and she's hospitalized yet again for, quote, exhaustion, heat exhaustion, to be exact. And okay, let's break down heat exhaustion. I just, I want to break this down. Do you think that heat exhaustion is just like being massively hungover, like being so dehydrated and hungover that like you just can't get out of bed because like you've just drank so much day after day after day and you're doing drugs and your body's like, I'm over it. I don't want to do this anymore. Like that has to be it, right? Where you just need an IV to hydrate yourself because like I've never heard of a normal regular civilian being hospitalized for exhaustion. And we're the ones working real hard. I mean, Lindsay is not in the service industry or working the real grunt jobs like us average people have had to work before in our lives. So I don't really understand what exhaustion, but she misses a day of work because of this. And this is the last straw for the CEO of the production company who is producing Georgia Rule. And a letter leaks out from the CEO scolding her. And a lot of people cite this as single-handedly ending Lindsay Lohan's career because it really kind of showcases what you're taking on when you're hiring Lindsay as an actress in your movie. And I was going to paraphrase this note for you, but I decided... It would really be the perfect time to do my favorite thing in the world, and that is a dramatic read. And yeah, I'm going to do a dramatic read on this note. First, I have to say, Dina Lohan is CC'd on this note, amongst other people. And of course, it is addressed to Lindsay Lohan at the Chateau Marmont. 8221 Sunset Boulevard. I mean, I love that. I love that Lindsay was getting a note, like a poison pen note from somebody, her boss, essentially, and it was delivered to the Chateau Marmont. Like, I love it. It's like, it's like being 
delivered a note at a nightclub that you're living at. It's just, I don't know. See, that's why this era was just so amazing. But like I said, I'm going to be doing a dramatic read of this note. So please do enjoy. <clears throat> Dear Lindsay, since the commencement of principal photography of Georgia Rule, you have frequently have failed to arrive on time to the set. Today, you did not show for work all day. I am now told you don't plan to come to work tomorrow because you are, quote, not feeling well. You and your representatives have told us that your various late arrivals and absences from the set have been the result of illness. Today, we were told it was, quote, heat exhaustion. We are well aware that your ongoing all-night heavy partying is the real reason for your so-called exhaustion. We refuse to accept bogus excuses for your behavior. To date, your actions on Georgia Rule have been discourteous, irresponsible, and unprofessional. You have acted like a spoiled child, and in doing so, you have alienated many of your coworkers and endangered the quality of this picture. Moreover, your actions have resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage. We will not tolerate these actions any further. If you do not honor your production commitments, including your scheduled call time for tomorrow and any call times thereafter, we will hold you personally accountable. This means that in addition to pursuing full monetary damages, we will take such other action as we deem necessary to preserve the integrity of the Georgia Rural production, as well as Morgan Creek's financial interests. I urge you to take this letter seriously and conduct yourself professionally. Sincerely, James G. Robinson, CEO, Morgan Greek Productions. Like, oh my God, could you imagine getting that? Like even reading that and being dramatic about it, I'm like, I'm kind of scared. I was kind of scared of myself. Just like, could you imagine getting a note like that? I, I, you know, and I feel like it's such a millennial thing to always think our bosses are mad at us, even though they're not. If somebody doesn't put an exclamation point after a thank you in their email, I'm like, are they mad at me? Do they not like me? Could you imagine getting that? That is absolutely insane. And like I said, Dina Lohan was CC'd on that because that was the momager at the time. Of course, this was not the era of Kris Jenner. Kris Jenner would never tolerate that behavior. But Dina, of course, being the enabler that she is, she responds saying, I feel when you are 19, it is way out of line. Maybe James has personal issues with whomever, and it came out with my child. I don't know him. I can't judge him. I don't think it was a smart thing to do to a young girl. Lindsay was in a 105 degree weather saying, mommy, I feel sick, like I'm going to faint. She took herself to the hospital. She has asthma and in extreme colder heat, you can't breathe. It's so ridiculous and I'm over it. Basically, I have no comments about the letter. Lindsay will win an Academy Award for this picture. So clearly, Lindsay is not the only one on drugs, but <laughs> like, I don't know. The thing with Lindsay, or excuse me, Dina, like she's such an enabler with this situation. And I feel like Dina was somebody who really, really wanted to succeed in the entertainment industry because an article comes out that Dina wasn't actually a Rockette. We hear about this for years growing up, like Dina was a Rockette. She was a Rockette. And it comes out that Dina wasn't. She wanted to be, and she wanted to be on Broadway, but it just never happened. And I feel like Dina was living
marketing through Lindsay and she really wanted Lindsay to succeed in the entertainment industry. And then she's like, whoa, my daughter is the biggest movie star in the world right now. Or well, most well-known or most talked about famous, I guess you could say. But I think she was just along for the ride. Like she wanted to live through it. She wanted to feel famous. And therefore she was enabling Lindsay's behavior when, I don't know, if that were my mom, my mom would get that scary tone. And I, it kind of came out when I was reading that letter dramatically, when I was doing the dramatic read, like my mom would get that scary voice on and be like, listen, you need to get your act together. She would always say, shape up. Like you need to shape up and get your act together. And it's so frustrating reading a note like that because it's like, show up to work. Like I've, I've never said this on the Diving Board podcast before because I try to keep it clean, but like get the fuck up and go to work. You are getting paid millions of dollars to do this and you signed up for it. And I understand being on the set is hard work and such, but like you're supposed to be a professional. You're not getting paid a measly sum. You're getting paid millions of dollars. And I was a party girl too in my 20s. Like I was out all the time. Like I would get up or I would stay out till five o'clock in the morning, but I was up. For my 9.30 a.m. bartending shift, I was behind the bar getting ready to serve drinks to Chicago tourists. Like, I went to Starbucks, I got my bottle of water, I took my ibuprofen, and I got up, and I went to work. It's very Kim Kardashian. Get up off your ass and work. But seriously, like, go and do your job. Like, I understand burning the candle at both ends. I did it for years, and I don't know how I did it. I mean, when you're, like, in your 20s, you have superhuman energy, but... I understand burning the candle at both ends, but burn it at both ends. If you want to party, you you still need to work. So it's frustrating. And this is like a very, very unlikable thing about Lindsay Lohan is like I was out partying and I was waking up to make a few hundred bucks at my bartending job. Lindsay Lohan was getting paid seven and a half million dollars at the very least. Like, come on. It's when the average person is reading this, that's when you kind of start not liking Lindsay Lohan. And of course, when producers are reading this, that's when you start not liking her and you're like, I don't want to hire her. I don't I don't want to risk a millions of dollars production on someone who's not taking this seriously. So that really, really was not good for her career. But Lindsay, she did take this note seriously because she was probably really embarrassed as well that it leaked. And she got to work and she finished the film. But the damage was done. The film bombed. And I mean, the film's horrible anyway. And her reputation, I mean, it was totally tarnished. And it's worth noting that with this note as well, no one she came or nobody she worked with in the past came to her defense. Tina Fey didn't come to her defense. Disney didn't come to her defense. And Lindsay made them hundreds of millions of dollars in the past acting in their films. And nobody came and defended her and said, you know, this is just a bad time. She's actually a really talented actress. She's great to work with. Like, give her another chance. None of these people wanted to touch her. She was essentially a pariah at this point because... Like I said, she worked with a lot of people, but no one was coming to defend her. 
And she continues to be seen out all the time. And eventually, towards the end of 2006, Robert Altman, who directed Prairie Home Companion, he passes away. And Lindsay releases a really kind of weird eulogy for Robert Altman. It's a it's a BlackBerry email. And it is um, very, very strange. And it's very um, just rambling. And she sounds drunk or she sounds high. It's weird. But she signs it off with be adequate. But she spells it like be adequate. Like she doesn't know how to spell. And this became like the biggest meme there was, be adequate. And I just remember, I loved Lindsay Lohan back then. And I, I remember I was using the word adequate after that. And I don't know, I don't know why I remember this stuff. But I remember I took the ACT soon after that email came out. And my mom was like, how did the ACT go? And I just said, adequate. And she's like, adequate? <laughs> like, who would answer that way? But I answered it because of Lindsay Lohan. Again, I don't know why I remember this stuff. But um, it just wasn't a good look. It looked really bad because it's like, what is this? So people were making fun of her. They were making fun of her a lot. And Lindsay is really not being taken into... Uh, she's not being taken seriously in the industry. And she's struggling to find a gig. So she signs up to film I Know Who Killed Me. And have you guys seen this movie? It is so bad. I remember, I think it came out when I was like 16 and it's rated R, so I had to sneak into the film. Like, I bought tickets for a different film and then snuck into this one. Oh, I remember those days. Oh, my gosh. And it was such a waste of sneaking into a movie because this movie was so bad. And it bombed. It bombed so hard. And it really, if you Google it, it's labeled one of the worst movies of all time. It's just, it's it's not good. But also, like, right after it's released, we get a picture of Lindsay from the paparazzi, and she's walking around sporting a red chip, and it's an AA chip, and it says 90 Days Sober, which, like I said, is given out in AA kind of as a token and a reward and a visual representation of your sobriety. So we learn that Lindsay is attending AA. Her publicist actually comes out and says she's been in AA, which is kind of a strange thing to announce because technically in AA, you're supposed to be anonymous. So I don't really know why they publicly announce that. But um, you kind of realize that she is trying to get help with her substance abuse problems. Like maybe she's recognizing she really does have a problem. And I also think her publicist thought that would be a good idea to because like why is Lindsay publicly wearing that and why is she publicly announcing it I think they thought that it was just a good idea to announce that Lindsay was getting help and of course like being on an issue uh being on a journey of sobriety is incredible and I have the utmost respect for that but I really think that it was used as a pawn and not taken very seriously and it's worth noting that Lindsay had just turned 20 at this time but like as you could probably tell from my tone and I'm talking about this 15 years later like it's annoying like this story it's getting old it's a revolving door it's like Lindsay's partying she's pissing people off she's making a mockery out of things and she's not coming out with 
any good movies. I mean, I know Who Killed Me was horrible. So that doesn't add to her reputation very well because, I mean, like what is the redeeming quality of Lindsay Lohan right now? The fact that there's just fodder? Like the fact that Perez Hilton is having a field day with all of the BS that she's getting into? I mean, it can only go on so long that the public is still going to have a positive image of you. So 2007 kicks off, and I don't know why people always talk about Britney's 2007. I mean, I understand she had a hard year that year, but Lindsay had an insane 2007. Like, Britney just shaved her head and attacked a car with an umbrella. Lindsay, she was a complete menace to society. So... We start off with a report that Lindsay has a little bit of a breakdown, well, a pretty big breakdown, at a hotel after the Golden Globes because James Franco won't sleep with her, <laughs> which I don't know the, val the validity of this story because when you do look at that list, James Franco is on it. So I, I think he... He definitely did not refuse to sleep with her. But I mean, this was embarrassing, even if it did happen or if it was exaggerated or something went down and she was embarrassed. So she checks herself into rehab officially for the first time in January 2007. And this was at the Wonderland Center in Los Angeles. But again, as you can kind of tell, Lindsay wasn't really taking this seriously. This was more of kind of just a break from the paparazzi. It really wasn't about getting clean. And it was kind of just like giving herself a mini vacation, essentially a staycation in Los Angeles. So she definitely was not taking this seriously. And in May, a friend, in quotes, releases a video of her doing coke. And this is just horrible. Like when you're famous, like so many people are just like betraying you and trying to make a buck off of your misfortune or your antics. But this is really our first piece of concrete evidence that Lindsay is doing cocaine. I mean, we all knew it. But then when you get that concrete evidence, it's like, whoa, like, OK, we really know it now. And Memorial Day weekend rolls around, and this is kind of when things really, like, the dumpster is on fire now because Memorial Day weekend rolls around, and she's partying all night. And this is where Samantha Ronson enters the picture, which we'll get more into Samantha Ronson a little bit later. But she's out with Samantha all night. They're partying. They're, you know, doing whatever. They're they're in the club. They're drinking. They're doing drugs. And they hop in Samantha's car. And Lindsay decides to take a little nap. And this is where we get that very, very infamous photo of Lindsay Lohan with the gray hoodie and she has the hood up, seat back, mouth open, and she is just out like a light. And everyone took all of those pics of her. And it's become a very, very iconic photo. I actually saw a TikTok of someone getting a tattoo of that picture. I mean, it just sums up this entire time. And it's kind of like when you look at it, it's like, whoa, it's it's a little bit harrowing to see because you're like, this girl, I mean, she's passed out, she's on a bender, and you're really seeing like the remnants of probably like four days of her not sleeping. And she is in the front seat of a car. I don't know why no one 
like threw a blanket over her or something. These people are not your friends. They're just, they're not your friends, Lindsay. I wish I was there to tell her. I wish 16-year-old me was in Los Angeles there to be Lindsay Lohan's like guardian angel. I just, I really, it was a really missed opportunity. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is also when those weird knife picks came out with um, uh, Vanessa Manillo. Uh, remember like when Lindsay had like that black tank top? I mean, they're, they're beautiful pictures, but Lindsay had the black um, tank top and she's biting that knife and then Vanessa is biting it. And I mean, these pictures, it definitely was complete tabloid fodder, but it was worse, way worse for Vanessa than it was Lindsay because this was just like a regular Tuesday for Lindsay. I mean, we knew how she acted, so like we weren't shocked by this. But Vanessa, she was like squeaky clean. She was the TRL VJ. Like she, we didn't know she was a big party girl. So this kind of zeroed in the paparazzi and they started giving her more attention. So it was not good for her, but those are iconic pictures. And on May 26, 2007, Lindsay is arrested for the first time. And she's arrested on a misdemeanor of drunk driving, which I don't understand how drunk driving is a misdemeanor. It should definitely be a felony. After she lost control of her Mercedes convertible and struck a curb in Beverly Hills, California. So this was after partying with um, Samantha Ronson and she's driving and she crashes. And she checks in to the Promises Treatment Center in Malibu for her second visit to rehab. And when she gets out, she's voluntarily fitted with an alcohol monitoring bracelet. And this was that scram bracelet that she would wear around her ankle. And this is when we got those iconic pictures of her in the bikini, holding the surfboard, wearing the scram bracelet around her ankle. I mean, those pictures took over the world. I miss it. I miss the craziness, I, I know I always say this, but we just don't get this kind of content anymore. And, you know, this was, Lindsay had an impact. And Lindsay had an impact even on major fashion labels because that year, Chanel came out with ankle bags, which looked like the scram bracelet. That is Lindsay's impact, down to Chanel. They're making quilted ankle bags that replicate the scram bracelet. I mean, you got to give the girl credit. She was, she was just, we, she acted and we followed that. That's all I can say. But this is where it starts getting really, really bad. And you might be thinking like, Jill, it's already really bad, but no, this is when it gets really bad because I feel like people were having fun with this situation until this, which is horrible to say because she's seriously on a spiral. But this is when it just became not fun anymore because Lindsay, she starts July by turning 21 and she has a sober birthday. She's doing great, at least in the public eye. You know, she, she celebrates her birthday sober, no alcohol, but she's out on the town again. And everyone is wondering, like, how can you be at these clubs and possibly be maintaining your sobriety. Like, have you ever been at a bar or a club and you're sober? Like, it is a horrible experience because everyone is drunk. Everyone's bumping into you. The music's so loud. And like that environment is only good when you're drinking. So I don't understand why she would want to be at these Hollywood clubs and be sober, which I mean, clearly she wasn't. Let's call a spade a spade. But people are wondering, like, how could you be maintaining any sobriety at this point, but she's wearing the scram bracelet. So maybe she figured out how to trick it. I don't know. 
But at the end of July, Lindsay is partying hardcore with her two assistants. And her two assistants, like I said, she's not very good with the staff that she hires because these assistants are basically just her party friends. So imagine like in your 20s, your party friends who you really only saw when you would meet up at the bar or the club and you have a little bit of money and you decide to hire them to help you run your life. Like this is that situation. (laughs) So it was just like she was just surrounded by the worst people when she's on this road to recovery. And her attorney that same night gets an alert on the scram bracelet. And he calls her and is like, yo, I can tell you've been drinking. I got an alert on the scram bracelet. What's up? Click, hangs up the phone, and Lindsay begins fighting with her assistant. Her assistant's boyfriend and her friend shows up, and they're all fighting. The boyfriend gets out of the car, apparently leaves the keys in the car. Lindsay hops in, speeds off. The assistant, her name is Taryn, actually speeds off in front of Lindsay to get the hell away from her, and Lindsay starts following her. So they go all the way to Santa Monica, which is like a pretty big hike, and Lindsay realizes like, oh my gosh, she's taking me to her mom's house. And they're still in a high-speed chase, like 100 miles an hour high-speed chase. And Lindsay's in a stolen car, keep in mind, don't forget that. So they're chasing each other. So when Taryn, her assistant, gets to her parents' house in Santa Monica, her mom is actually pulling out of the driveway and she sees Uh, a car. She does not know it's Lindsay. She sees a car coming down the street, barreling full speed. So she's like, whoa, I need to get out of here. Starts backing up. But Lindsay begins chasing the mom. And the mom does not know it's Lindsay Lohan. So the mom speeds off. They're in a high speed chase down the expressway. You know, the mom's freaking out. The mom calls 911. You can listen to that 911 call. If I can post it on the Diving Board podcast, I will. It is, it's actually low-key scary because the mom mom is so afraid and the mom does not know what's going on. Could you imagine? And so they get into a parking lot and eventually the cops come. They arrest Lindsay, who is clearly drunk driving. She has cocaine possession and she's driving with a suspended license. And these are some really, really serious charges. I mean, could you imagine? It was really, really scary. And they actually also found this Clinique card that was covered in white powder. But supposedly, the cops threw that piece of evidence away. I don't know. I don't know if they felt like we have what we need, so we don't even need this. I don't really know what that situation was. I am not... (laughs) well-versed with the LAPD, as um, you can tell, and I'm totally okay with that. But um, yes, I don't know what happened. But this is officially when we get the first mugshot of Lindsay Lohan. And I have to say she looks beautiful. I mean, she looks out of it. But could you imagine being that photogenic that even at your worst time when you're drunk and you're high and you were just involved in a high-speed car chase and you still take a pretty decent-looking picture under overhead fluorescent lighting, like, what's it like to be God's favorite? Because I would look like Shrek. So, (laughs) she just looked good. She's a very, very photogenic woman. We all know that. I mean, she made a living off of it. But of course, she denies all these allegations. She says she was not drunk, she was not high, and that Taryn's mom was actually chasing her because that makes absolute total sense. But um, (laughs) it's just, it's crazy. And of course, 
This, I think, was officially... Like, if Lindsay Lohan's career was using the metaphor of an airplane, this event would basically be cutting both of the wings off. Like, it's done. This was... Her career was basically done at this point. Like, there's... There's, this is hard to rebound from. And in August 23rd, 2007, she pleads guilty to a misdemeanor of cocaine use, which I'm still surprised that is a misdemeanor. Like I said, like Kate Moss lost so many endorsement deals for doing coke when that's a misdemeanor. Like, I don't even know what to say. Again, we can talk about Kate Moss in another episode because I can go on and on and on about how big of a travesty that was. But she's sentenced to serve one day in jail. So one day in jail for basically scaring the wits out of this poor Taryn's mom. High-speed car chase. Could have killed someone. Could have killed several people. One day in jail. 10 days of community service and three years of probation. I know her community service was mainly done at the uh, Los Angeles morgue. So, I mean, that's that's pretty tough community service. But... Whatever. I mean, she deserved it. And she had to pay a fine and she had to enter an alcohol education program. She had to go to the Cirque Lodge. So, I mean, honestly, pretty, pretty decent charges. Like, that's not really hard to serve. Like, one day in jail, 10 days of community service. Like, that's not a lot. So, she really, really got off easy. And on October 5th, she leaves the Cirque Lodge Treatment Center. And on November 15th, Lindsay, she serves 84 minutes in a Los Angeles County jail. And the sheriff explains that the jail was overcrowded. So, that allowed her stay to be shortened. 84 minutes. That is like some people's commute to work every day. 84 minutes she was in jail for all of that. So that kind of wraps up 2007 for Lindsay. And that also wraps up our second installment of the Lindsay series and the first installment of The Spiral. We are going to get more into The Spiral tomorrow in our next installment the third installment and it is i mean it's already crazy but this is when things are really really going to get very very legally bad for Lindsay, and yeah we're gonna get into it but i really hope you enjoyed that it was kind of serious like i feel like it was almost like a true crime episode like it involved gossip and a high-speed car chase and hard drugs and a dramatic read i kind of live for it it was so dramatic like i kind of feel almost like physically drained (laughs) i love it like this girl rehashing all this and it's only gonna get crazier like i said we still have a lot to cover so please um, continue to give me your feedback throughout the week. If there's anything you want to, um, hear about Lindsay, or if you want me to cut this a little shorter, trust me, I get it. Um, but I have a feeling you're going to be into it because I'm into it and you guys are my people. And I feel like we relate on a lot of different levels, but again, thank you so much for listening to this. I'm so excited to keep up this series. This has been a lot of fun. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate if you rated me five stars on Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you're listening to this podcast. 
Also, I would so appreciate if you would write me a review on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts if you're listening to on to the podcast on that platform. I would so appreciate that. It just motivates more people to listen to the podcast. And also, I would so appreciate if you followed the podcast. Um, I'm actually planning to release more bonus episodes now that I have more time, and I'm not going to promote those right away. So if you are following, you'll know more about the bonus content. You'll know about it as soon as I release it. So I would so appreciate if you followed the podcast wherever you're listening to this on. But thank you all so much again. We are in the thick of our Lindsay series and we are still only just getting started. So thank you again and I will talk to you all tomorrow. And in the meantime, take care everyone.